Virginia, off of 610. And today, I'm the host, Giselle Shield, and my loving husband. Ray Shields. And this is just a recap from last week um, on the series of marriage. And uh, today, we have our, our, our honorary, uh, you know, Pastor Bailey and lovely, his lovely wife, uh, First Lady Peggy Bailey, and um, they're going to continue the series on marriage, uh, making it last. Uh, just to recap from last week, you know, they bless us with such a powerful word of how marriage began, how it involves God taking a rip from a man, a rip from him, from himself, and placing it, and I'm sorry, producing a woman as his soulmate. And that's the twine for a marriage between the man and the woman. And how, how they are blessed to have God in the midst of it all and his laws of how we have to follow for making a marriage last. So I want to go ahead and hand it over to my loving husband. All right. As we open up today, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come in your son Jesus' name. Father, Father, we thank you for this day, Father. Father, thank you for just your structure, Father, for how you've set up marriage. Thank you for this discussion, Father, for us having the ability to be frank, Father, to just focus on your word and what you have us do and how marriage should be established and how it should be maintained, Father. Father, we just ask that you bless the speakers today, bless the guests, bless everyone in the house today, Father, and may this word have a powerful impact and a positive effect on marriages and those who plan to someday be married. And Father, we do all this in your son's name and decency and order. Amen. 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 So just one quick, just one quick um, follow-up in terms of our format. Similar to, similar to what we did in part one, if you have questions from the audience here, feel free just to raise your hand and we'll take some questions throughout the conversation. So if you have a question, feel free to raise your hand and we'll, uh, we'll come to you and you'll be able to ask your question. All right? So why don't we go ahead and get started? Yes. So um, I want to ask a question. I know that you guys roam this, these halls here, but you never argue. <laughs> so you never have conflict. So you always look happy. But I know that may not always be true. So I just want to know, do you have conflicts in your marriage? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we have plenty of conflict. Um, one of the things that, that I have discovered, and I think it's, it's kind of a misnomer, because people think sometimes that healthy marriages are marriages that don't involve conflict. And uh, that's not true. Uh, what we discover is that um, every marriage has conflict. Conflict is inevitable, it's going to happen. But what makes a strong, successful marriage in that conflict is, or, or at least what makes a strong couple, is their ability to resolve the conflict. Uh, so it's all about conflict resolution. It's, it's, how, you, it's how you handle it. And uh, I think... Is, is, so you, you said something about how we walk the halls. We never, uh, you know. Yeah, I never uh, see you angry. We, we just we just know how to handle our conflict in a way, uh, you know, that is that it, it encourages and build up. And I think I think the main thing is that I I think we ought to get rid of the misnomer that suggests that you know that somehow uh, you know a healthy marriage doesn't involve conflict. It's almost like sometimes people get shocked, you know. Uh, like, wow, man, like, you know, especially when you first get married, you have your big fight, your first big fight, and it's like, wow, you know. Uh, and so, but the difference is strong marriages, they know how to resolve the conflict. So you have it. It's just how you resolve it. So give me an example. I mean, just a small example of maybe a, a, a conflict that you guys may still be working on or have worked on recently. Recently? Recently, in the past. Oh, well, he, I can he always say that, you know, he's scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can um, talk about one that happened in, in the past. I'll tell you about one that when um, his mother had came to live with us, she had been in a, a terrible automobile accident, 
in which she had lost her husband. So we took it upon ourselves to take her into our home because we weren't sure of what kind of, um, you know, physical um, elements she was going to have as far as living by herself. So we took her into our home. And um, when we took her in, uh, we agreed upon, um, you know, that I was... I was home, so I was going to be the basic one really helping her out and taking care of her because at the time she had um, lost some of her mobility because every bone in her body had been broken. So um, basically I had to take care of her. And um, it was, she stayed up with about, what, two years, she would say, sweetheart? So it was about two years, and there was some bumping of heads. Um, she That's was mild. <laughs> she was set in her ways. And um, she wasn't happy because she had never lived anywhere else. She always lived in her home. She always did things her way. Now she's up in an environment where she had never been before. She had never moved out of her uh, small town that she lived in. And it was a very hard transition for her. <laughs> it turned out to be a very hard transition for me as well. Because at the time, my kids were very small. So not only was I taking care of small kids, I basically had an adult to take care of. I love my mother-in-law with all my heart and soul. She's a great woman of God. Um, she gave, she's given me a great husband. It's because of her that I have my husband today, so I'm so ever grateful to her for that. But um, we would bump heads, and I would find Gary would be in the middle because as soon as he walked through the door, I would say, you need to talk to your mother. And she would say, you need to talk to your wife. And the kids would call and say, Mom. Yeah, it, and, it was um, like they would call me. I would be yeah. at work, and I would get this phone call. And it, it became sort of routine. Right. And my mom was living there, so I always knew, like, oh, here we go. You know, I'd get a call. <laughs> and uh, Dad, Mom, Grandma, are you in again? And I'm like, oh, gosh. And, and so I knew that when I, by the time I got home that the pressure was going to be enormous. And it was. Yeah, it was. And there was sometimes I walk in the door, I could feel the tension uh, because my mother is also very demanding. Stubborn. And she's stubborn. <laughs> and my mom would like, my mom would want my wife to, to do certain things. And if my wife didn't do it quick enough, then my mother would, you know, she would. And so, as you can imagine, she would yell at me. And I'm like, well, um, you know, this is, this is my mom. And then. To compound that, we ended up having uh, Peggy's sister came to stay with us, um, and she stayed with us for about a year. So now we got two, and so if you can imagine, so we're in a situation, so we're, we're trying to be uh, loving, and we're going to honor the scriptures, it says be hospitable, so we were trying to be hospitable and all that, and it became a point that, you know, it would be like, you know, every now and then me and Beverly would kind of get into it, because she, she had a way of doing things, and and before long, we found ourselves in a situation that probably the most tumultuous time in our marriage, um, because it was so much pressure, and we just finally made a decision uh, to to process them out the house, um, and, and and we and we did that, and we did that nice because guy. we we understood that if our marriage because. The thing is that marriage comes first, you know, and, you know, and so, and I've seen people make the mistake where they have their in-laws get involved in the marriage and the in-laws kind of dictate the pace of the marriage. And we weren't going to do that. And I, when I saw that, that things just really got out of hand, we just agreed. We said, you know, she loved her sister. I love my mother. We love them. But we want to love them outside of our house. And so, so what we did was... We, no, we didn't just throw them out. I don't want nobody to say we just throw our parents. We didn't do that. Uh, but what we did was uh, we just, uh, I think it was more almost like a mutual kind of thing with everybody right. that it just wasn't working. <clears throat> and so, so that was the biggest challenge for us. Go ahead, but I have to say, even though it was a challenge, sometimes those challenges make you grow. So it was a growing process for me. It was a growing process for him. And I learned a lot about myself in that whole process. So in that way, conflict can be a positive thing as well because it will make you grow in, in places and ways that you never thought you could. So, All right, and just to, just to follow up on that, while we're here, we're talking in our 
second second um second of the series we're talking about conflict resolution are, are there any cautions you guys talked a lot about in-laws and families and the potential impact it could have on your marriage are there any cautions that we need to be aware of when we're dealing with in-laws or family members in our and in I know, our marriage and I know that you said you had an agreement, but sometimes, you know, just like mother-in-laws, you know, they, they may say, honor thy mother, honor thy parent. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know that his mother may be stubborn, but how did you really come to that, that mutual agreement and without having a conflict between the two of you? Well, that, that, was, that became easy, actually, because we saw... Because we've never experienced that before. So we had never had our house that way. So when we saw that our relationship was being strained, I had to listen to her. And, and she had to listen to me. Mm-hmm. And what we did was we decided that we weren't going to attack each other, but we we're going to deal with the issue. So we sit down together and we made a decision. So when you're paying the mortgage, you can decide you can do whatever you want. Right. So so we made so so we made a decision together um, and our decision. Once we made that decision, then we started the process because it was a process. We started the process of, of and God. And it's amazing because um, God really just as God opened a door for us to care for them. Uh, he opened a door for us to be able to release them into an environment where they were still healthy. And that was important to us because uh, we weren't going to just. You know, I love my mom. She loved her sister. And so, but they didn't have to live with us. Uh, and when it became a point in time where it, 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 you know, caused a lot of stress in that way, in a very negative way, we just dealt with it. Um, and uh, and I, we were so much uh, better for it. But th- th- to answer your question uh, about the caution uh, with in-laws, um, you know, there's a description in the Bible says that a, uh, that a mother, that a, that you know, a, a man will leave his mother and father and uh, cleave to his wife and the two become one flesh. Now, what's significant about that is that you ever notice that during a marriage, uh, for those of us who are married, that there's a point that, you know, when, they, when the bride is escorted down the aisle by her father um, and he releases uh, her, he said, and the preacher says, uh, who give this woman away? And and this I do. Uh, the father says that, and so and so what we discover is in that in that process is that the parents kind of uh, lose authority. The men kind of uh, uh, get from underneath the parents, you know. Um, uh, I wouldn't say influence, but. He's able to make decisions, and now he has to assume responsibility to care for his wife. And, 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 and the two now become one flesh. What I've seen a lot of times in marriage, uh, Ray, and I know you, you mentioned this, but you know, I've seen a lot of times when parents dictate the terms of the marriage. So every time there's an argument or every time there's a conflict, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to go talk to my mother. I'm going to go talk to my father. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is you're no longer married to your mother and your father. Mm-hmm. So... It's one thing to have your mother and your father or your parents, your in-laws, to, to be a support. It's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to a point in time when they start dictating the terms of your marriage and, and, and you never release yourself, because at some point in time, I think that, that the marriage got to be able to resolve its own issues because that's the growth part of it. And so whereas you know, in-laws are important, I have learned how to draw that line right. you know, when it comes to my wife. And, uh, and I dictate the terms, and she dictates the terms in terms of, you know, uh, what's going to be allowed to influence the marriage. Because at the end of the day, we're one flesh. And, I, you know, not, I'm not one with my parents anymore, my in-laws, even though I love them deeply. I want to also add to that some of the cautions. Uh, some things you can um, talk to your in-laws about, and there's some things you shouldn't talk to your in-laws about. Some things should be held between you and your husband. No matter how close you are to your mom or dad, it's certain things that should be in-house. So I would, you know, give that as a warning as well. What you share outside of your house, just be careful with what you share with your in-laws. Just to follow up on that, in terms of, we talked a lot about in-laws and family. From a 
if I'm a single person and I'm dating someone, should I be mindful of their family before I make that decision to marry that person? Yeah, uh, because even though you cleave and you become one with your spouse, you still marry into that family. Um, and and so what, what, I, what I say is this. It's, I think it's good to be knowledgeable. The more information you have going into a marriage, the better. Um, and so I know that when me and Peggy first got married, because of my uh, my sinful ways, and, and you know, at the time I wasn't a believer before we got mm-hmm. married, before we got saved, and uh, her, her sisters didn't have a very favorable opinion of me, uh, uh, to, to say the least. In fact, her mom, I remember her mom even jokingly said, uh, she went to her mom and said, Mom, you know, Gary gave me a engagement ring, and her mom said, well, where'd you get that from, a bubblegum machine? And you know, uh, so uh, it was really nice. Yeah, so, so, and and I had preserved some of that, but but one of the things that, but I think understanding the family dynamic because if some people are really heavily influenced by that, and I'm talking about excessive, I want you to understand. I think it's we all need support, but we're not. We, even though we're marrying to the family, we're not. I'm not marrying her sisters, but I need to have some insight in terms of how they affect her. And, uh, you know, and, and, and vice versa. I mean, I remember, you know, speaking of a mother, and she might not want me to say this, um, but I would say it was three, about, it took about three years. Careful, Pastor. I don't think I'm going to cause a conflict there. So it took about three years. Mm. So every time I would go and visit her mother, Peggy would visit, and then as we're driving down the road, leaving, I mean, we're not even two miles down the road for about two to three years she's crying and I'm looking like what's wrong now oh there's my mama I'm like come on it's like this has been mad for a few years now you can't stand I mean that's how close she was to her mother and, and so it, it, it took some time for her to kind of you know but that was a problem I mean, it was hard so I just got used to it I go visit mom and we leave Peggy's going to cry and that's what she did. So we leave. She would always cry, or she would look out. And I always know when Peggy's upset because she always looked out of the window. And you know, when she's driving, she don't look this way. She just kind of looks out of the window, and she don't move her head. And it's like she's upset. She's crying. And so, uh, so you know, so I, I knew that there was a closeness there, and 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 I respected that. But I'm very grateful that once we actually got married, and I think a lot of it was I gave my life to Christ and they trusted me. They, they really never really got involved in our marriage in a negative way, but always a, a great support to our marriage. And we shared things that, that God was doing, and I never felt like that, she, that her mother or father when he was living was interfering in our marriage. I never felt that. You know, I felt it from other folks, but I never felt it from them, so. I think proximity, <laughs> uh, the closer you live to your in-laws sometimes has a effect. I don't know if that's uh, for everyone, but I think if you're in the same town as your in-laws, you have probably more chances of them being involved in your personal life. I mean, you can always call them, but them coming to your home, you have less chances when they live further away. And sometimes that can be good, or sometimes that can be bad. So, so what I hear you saying is once you get married, move far as far away as you can from your family. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying as far as them being involved in your marriage, it's, it's less likely to happen as often if they're not that close. That close. Yeah. All right. And to follow up, follow up on that, First Lady, are there generational things that can be passed through our family that may affect our marriage? I, I, I believe so. Uh, there's iniquities that may have taken place within um, your home when you were small. You were exposed to certain things. Maybe your father was ch- chauvinistic or maybe your mother were very, very passive or maybe there was drug addictions involved. And sometimes when you're raised up in that environment, you, without the saving grace of God, can take on those same sinful habits. Yeah. And it takes the grace of God to break those strongholds in families. And I praise God that the strongholds that I've had in my life and my husband has had in his as we were coming up, those strongholds have been broken because 
by the grace of God, basically. Yeah. So yes, it can certainly happen, but like I said, by God's grace. Yeah, and let, let me let me can I, let me add real quick to that. Um, I, I was thinking about um, you know, like in my own family, um, all the examples that I had, they were the men were adulterers. Um, you know, the the marriages was either um, there was abuse. Um, there was, uh, they were, if they weren't divorced, they were on the brink of divorce. So every experience, for the most part, everybody that I saw, pretty much, um, as far as an example, um, it was all broken. And what I learned is that those marriages are broken. And what I learned is that there was a pattern that was in my family. All my, my uncles, my father, brothers, I mean, it's like... And so we just decided, and this is, this is where we kind of got in trouble sometimes with our family. Right. Because we realized, and, and, and Peggy would say that, you know, she come from a, a family with a lot of, she saw a lot of broken relationships, not really healthy marriages. And so if you don't break that cycle, that, that has an influence on you. And, uh, and so what we decided was that we were going to do some things different just to break that flow. And that meant that we, my kids are really small, we didn't even like, we didn't let, people in our family uh, necessarily keep our kids. And I knew that was, that was really hard because there was, there was kind of people saying, well, y'all are kind of you know, prideful. We weren't being prideful. We were just being uh, protected because we wanted them to, to see a healthy environment. And we tried to, you know, you gotta, every parent got to decide that for yourselves in, in terms of that. But these, these are things that are passed down. And someone's getting the psych of all you ever seen is, you ever notice that, you know, a, one, a person, uh, who was a famous uh, person got married eight times? Mm -hmm. um, she's dead now. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and, um, and, you know, you figured being married, that, you know, what would happen? And if you go back and study the history, it came from a background of that. And so... Um, we, through the power of God, broke that. It was, I mean, for me, I, I think Peg would say, yeah. if it wasn't for our relationship with the Lord, that we probably would have fell in that same pattern. Wow, very powerful. So again, for, the, for our live audience, any questions, please raise your hand, and we'll definitely try to get you. I think we have one question. Um, let me ask one more question before we get to the audience. Real quick, um, we started talking about. We hear people. We hear people say all the time that healthy marriages have no conflict, but we know that's not true. Why is it so hard to ad to admit that there's conflict in the marriage? Why do we? Why does this seem like something that we want to sweep away and hide in the closet? Why is that? Is it a pride not wanting to to show other people that we have flaws? Well, I, I would say within, within the marriage itself, um, and this is something that Peg and I, we talk about a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm going to kind of let you in a little bit. Uh, we talk about this a lot because um, as we were sitting and we were praying over this discussion that we are going to be having today and we thought about it, um, we all have fears, you know, the minute that something comes up, for an example, like uh, there's a conflict, and let's say Peggy going to call me on something, or I want to call her on something, and and a lot of times within the marriage, instead of admitting the wrong, a lot of times we go into defense mode. I'm gonna fight. Uh, why am I gonna fight? Because I'm gonna fight because if I'm I'm afraid. I'm afraid that if I admit that I was wrong in the marriage, I'm afraid. That if I say it, then you're going to take advantage of me. That, that, that you're not going to treat me right. Or that you're going to walk all over me. Or that you're never going to hear me again. And so what happened is, a lot of times, um, when we have that kind of conflict, uh, you know, one of the things that we've learned is that just being honest in, in, with the issue. So, so in other words, if I asked a question, I don't know, like, you know, uh, how you doing? Are you okay with everything? And and you know, just, no, I'm not okay, or, or you know, whatever. Uh, the, the point the point being is, it's it's a place of just acknowledging where I went wrong. So if I get called on something with Peggy, I'm not going to go. If she calls me and say she rings on them and say you did this, I'm not going to 
you know, I shouldn't put up fences and say, well, no, I got to hold my ground because I can't, I can't do that. Um, but I think when something surfaces, be honest about it. If, if, like we joked yesterday, we said, if the phone ring, pick it up. You know, pick it up. Hey, it's me. I, yeah, I did that, and, and I was stupid. But sometimes we don't because we've, we're fearful, we're afraid, and so we don't, want, we, don't, we don't want to deal with the issue or we want to sweep it underneath the rug, and, it, and it's not good for the marriage. I, could, I want to be safe to say also that a marriage that has no conflict is not a healthy marriage because a marriage without conflict means there's not much communication going on there somewhere. Very good. Because... Very good. I really think healthy marriages have conflict because that says that you're working things out. You're not hiding things from each other. You're being honest and transparent. So it's important that we are honest and transparent with each other. And conflict is healthy. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful point. Um, You know, just really being at a place where, um, you know, if, if you got a spouse and that spouse never talks, never says anything, there's never any issues, I guarantee you there's something going on inside there. Because we're passionate people, right? I mean, you know, if, I, if you, know, when you don't care about something, you're not passionate about it, right? You just kind of let it go because you don't care about it. But when you really care about something or someone and you're passionate or and she's passionate, we're going to have come. We're going to have to sit and talk that out. Um, but if, if, if she's never talking and she just, yes, honey, yes, or she's agreeing, something happens and all of a sudden there's a big explosion. And then it's like, where in the world did that come from? You know, yeah. and so, yeah. yeah, that's what happens. So we have a question here. So uh, just to get to the basic, how do you define conflict? And then follow-up question, what's the difference between healthy conflict and maybe destructive conflict? Wow. Do you want to start with it? You want me to um. <laughs> We're going to take a quick I'll, commercial I'll break, and then we'll the get second. back to that question. Okay, I'll start with the second part, if you don't mind. I will look at healthy conflict as uh, a situation where you're working things out, and in the end, both you and your spouse come out in a peaceful way. No one's hurt. No one's feeling is hurt. You've agreed to disagree, maybe, and both of you guys still have good feelings towards each other. That's healthy conflict. And bad conflict or destructive conflict where you're coming out of this situation, both of you guys are still hostile towards one another. You're not talking. You're giving each other the silent treatment. And you still haven't worked the problem out. That's still, that's still an unhealthy situation. Especially yeah. when you go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and I, I just want to, want to add to that. I think... To answer your question about this definition of conflict, I would think a conflict would be any any uh, kind of a disagreement of uh, on on a particular situation that that you know that can you know so it could be something as small as you know I think the toilet seat should be left up I think the toilet seat should be left down you know it, you know how many know, how many know some big fights have happened over stuff like that in marriage you'd be surprised. Um, um, but but I but I think what's what's really important uh, there is that when I think of healthy conflict, I think in terms of if if when I if I get in a situation where I begin to attack my wife, you know, sometimes in in a marital relationship, sometimes we get we really get upset, we really get mad. There's a tendency to lash out, mm. and it becomes a personal attack. Mm. You know, I never personally attack my wife. We attack the issue. And vice versa. So this is so. I think it becomes unhealthy when you start attacking the person and bringing and and, and just and not being uh, uh, encouraging, but being destructive. Whether it means that now I'm going to take this out of the house. Like I have folks on my job who would come to me and say the most horrific things about their spouse, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself. Dude, you're like really talking about yourself because your spouse is a reflection of you first and foremost. But it's when it becomes to where you start uh, yelling at each other and, and instead of sitting down trying to resolve it in a way that even if I disagree with my wife, mm-hmm. we can still walk out of it, still love each other. We just may have a disagreement. We may decide, like we do oftentimes, some things we'll just table, we'll just wait and say, you know what, we ain't going to see eye to eye on this one. 
So, you know, let's just, let's just table that. But it never, I think the biggest thing Diva, to answer that question is I think it becomes unhealthy when there's, when you're, when you're not attacking, dealing with the issue because the Bible says a house divided cannot stand. So we're always on the same team, no matter what. The minute that you start thinking otherwise, it's unhealthy. When it's, when we're on the same team and we're always thinking no matter what, she might, just because she disagrees with me don't mean that she's not on my team. Don't mean that she want to sabotage the marriage or sabotage what I believe in. It just means we, we want to get probably to the same place. We just have a difference of how we're going to arrive there. Now, um, we do have a question from uh, Sister Elise. And sh she's single, but in the future looking forward for a significant other. She wants to know, same question, how, you know, to attack that conflict to a resolution. Uh, does those same principles apply as in the marriage, I mean, the person is not living with you. They're not buying to you. However, she wants to know how to, to practice that and know when to walk away and when to stay. Now, this is outside of a marriage. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the principles are the same, right? I mean, Matthew 18 says when there's an issue, you go to the person, you talk about it. The Bible says that, um, that, that your speech always be seasoned with grace, right? Uh, the Bible says uh, that they put away slander and malice and evil. So those same principles apply in any relationship. But when you're in a marriage, it's even more important because now you have to live in the same house together. You know, when you have a friend that you have a little conflict with uh, and you're not living together, it's a different story. But when you got to go back home to it, I, you know, the weight is much heavier um, because you're tied to this person. So. Not only that, your blessings is tied to your relationship with other people. If you don't have right relationship with the other person, that can hinder your blessings too. So that's the ultimate uh, reason why you want to settle conflict as soon as possible because you can't come before the altar with any you know, offense in your heart. So you need to go to that person and get it resolved as quickly as possible. And first lady, to follow up on that, when conflict comes up, how quickly should it be resolved? For example, my, my, if my spouse just wrecked a brand new car I bought two days ago, can I be mad a week, a month, maybe all year? How long? No, the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So you have to get that resolved quickly as possible. But it's brand new. <laughs> you, Not a thousand miles on it yet. You can replace the car. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Uh, you know, the, you know we, we have a general rule that, that no matter what, no matter what. Um, you know, if our general rule in our house is we resolve, me and Peggy don't go to bed, we don't go to bed mad. I didn't say we don't get mad. I don't know about to misunderstand don't me. misunderstand that. We don't go to bed Dead mad. Yet. There have been times when, y'all heard me, y'all have heard me joke about this, but there have been times when, you know, because Peggy, she, you know, yeah, we're not gonna cause conflict here. So I'm a, so so my wife, Peggy, she could like, you know, she could like go to sleep in the midst of something. And like like I can't, and she'll be like, oh, she's not doing it so much nowadays. But it was a time when she would be like, I'm going to sleep, and and I'd be like, no, we can't. We gotta we gotta deal with this because I didn't want spill over into the next day. Amen. And so Amen. so being mad is okay. Right. It's, but it is, the Bible, when the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath, that's, in other words, um, we may not can resolve that issue at that moment because sometimes it's too late. You know, right. she's tired, I'm tired, right. we need to go to sleep. Can we agree, baby, to go to sleep? And, and we wake up in the morning, we're still loving each other, and then we go back and we deal with the issue. Uh, but we, our, our premise, brother, is, you know, we just deal with it right away because I've learned that when you let stuff simmer like that, like if you didn't say nothing, You'd be thinking about that thing. Every time she get behind the wheel of a car, you'd be sitting there thinking like, mm, you know, what is she doing? You know, so, so I just learned to just talk it out. Just, just get it out because when you're holding that stuff in, okay. at some point, it not only compounds, but then you find yourself, you ever been like, like in the, I've been, my wife had been there when, when we did discussing an issue that we had in conflict about. And then all of a sudden it goes from that issue to some issue that happened like weeks ago. Weeks ago. Yeah. I'm like, yep. Where did that come from? We ain't talking about that. Right. We're talking about how did you get right. there? In other words, and sometimes I find out that the thing that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's the apparent conflict, right. 
that that's not really the issue. There's a deeper issue. And that has really helped us a lot. I mean, it's really helped me to try to understand my wife. To figure out a lot of times, like, I'm I'm discerning because sometimes we get a reaction and we get mad because we don't like that reaction. But but we don't dig down and say, why did did she or he, why did they behave that way? What was that all, what was that really all about was it really about me or was there something else going on there right. so 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 learning to get issues and deal with them quickly i think would, would serve this as wisdom for the relationship in the long haul i agree okay. i agree all right and we do have another question it's basically uh asking as christians we already know that god you know doesn't want us to have conflict all the time but we have a question from one of our um members here wants to know as christians why why is it that we should have conflict there shouldn't be any conflict if we accept jesus christ and we we walk in the lord and we understand why is there conflict there shouldn't be any conflict uh it's not true uh the bible telegraphs something when the bible says for example the scripture says um Forgive one another, just as Christ has forgiven you. Does anybody know why the Bible will tell you to do that? Because you're going to have conflict. You read the whole book of 1 Corinthians, for example. It talks, it's a whole chapter. Uh, and everybody knows about the church at Corinth, for those who may not know. Mm-hmm. But the church at Corinth had a whole lit- lot of problems in that church. Mm-hmm. The people were always at each other's throat. They were arguing at each other. People were suing each other. Mm-hmm. I mean... The church at Corinth was, conf- they could have named that church Conflict Church. Uh, because if you read 1 Corinthians in the Bible, there's a little conflict. But Paul spends a great deal of time educating them on how to deal with conflict. I think to, to assume that, um, that within the body, that uh, with, when people are broken, when people are sinful, and when people come from different walks of life, that there's not going to be any conflict. I think just like I think it's I think it's it's a wrong assumption. Just like being in a marriage, mm-hmm. if I, I you know I want to have conflict with my wife because I'm passionate. She's passionate about what she believes in. So so that's a part of life. Um, we're going to have conflict. But the problem with the church and anything else is that again, how do we resolve it? So is there an issue? Do we go and we chop each other's head off? Do we go gossip? Do we go slander? Do we go? And that's what the Bible tells us how to resolve these differences because we are naturally going to disagree. You're not going to, I say all, all the time, I love my wife. No one in this world closer to me than my wife. And yet I have disagreements with her. So I know walking in the church, <laughs> I'm going to have disagreements with you. And you're going to have disagreements with me. It's how we handle it. And that's, and that's the key. So, so let's follow up on that. We, we know conflict is going to arise in the marriage. So we know we have the word. We have, we have our Bible. We have our word. We can take it to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Where else can we get advice from? Or how do we find maybe healthy couples to give us advice or things of that nature? What other steps can we take to make sure we're doing the healthy thing and we're going through the right steps to resolve that conflict. And, uh, anyone? I would start with your pastor. If you have a pastor, I would seek spiritual advice. Um, if you belong to a church body, that's why we're called the body of Christ. We're here to support each other. Uh, you find healthy couples within the church that's living a life that's, uh, that exposes you to a, a healthy marriage. Um, you, you ask them for advice, you meet with them, um, because they're setting an example before you uh, of what a healthy marriage looks like. Uh, I would consult a couple who seems to um, be doing well in their marriage. I would consult another couple or, or a pastor, or even uh, professional Christian counseling, if, the, if that you have to go that far. If the, if the problem is a uh, problem that can't be handled between maybe your pastor or another couple, uh, I would suggest, you know, you seek spiritual uh, Christian counseling. Yeah. Um, I, the other thing with that is, if I know that there's a couple that is on the brink, let's just say that there's a couple I know of, and and the husband is, uh, he and his wife not getting along, and, uh, and uh, you know, and he's a bad example, then if I got an issue with my wife, <laughs> 
I probably don't want to go talk to somebody who's not going to help and encourage me. So finding other healthy couples, other healthy marriages um, is a big plus. Uh, one of the big things for me and Peggy was having my, my, my relative uh, uh, Alton, and uh, yep. if I can say his name, Alton and Cindy. Mm-hmm. But they were such, and we got married in their backyard, uh, so they're watching. Thank you so much. But, uh, but one of the things that was so incredible, amazing for us was they were uh, just a great example for us. So, so anytime I had a problem in our marriage, I went to him. I'm not going to go to somebody, number one, who's not a Christian. Right. If I go to somebody who have no, I'm a believer, so I have a right. biblical perspective. Right. So I don't want to go to somebody who's not a Christian who's going to give me advice that is unbiblical and that's going to be oriented toward the flesh. So I think it's important, when I say toward the flesh, toward you know, the negative. Right. But, but I think it's important to find, you know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Right. And so I want to find other couples. If I'm struggling, I'm not going to go talk to a couple where the wife and the husband are at odds with each other. They're fighting. And unless and people who do that sometimes, they do that because they want to stay mad. They ain't trying to reconcile, so they go find somebody who agree with them. But if you're thinking about reconciliation, I'm not doing that. I'm going to find somebody, whether it's Ray and Giselle, whether it's Crystal, Walter, you know, whether it's Pastor Gary, Peck, I'm going to find somebody. I'm having a problem. Can we talk about this? I, I need some help because me and my wife, we prayed. We've done everything. Right. We believe God, and we still can't get a resolution right. on this. Right. So, okay, so I think that is answering your question. Yeah, I have a very practical question. I understand healthy conflict resolution takes two spouses. Both spouses have to be willing to resolve a conflict, discuss it, come to some kind of agreement and resolve the conflict. But what do you do when one spouse has an issue, wants to resolve, wants to discuss with the other person, maybe doesn't see any problem or just doesn't want to deal with it? What do you do in that situation? So you're saying they're in full deny or they don't want help. They're, they're basically the weight. Uh, yeah, just beat it out of them and force it. <laughs> but y'all didn't like that answer. Um, <laughs> no, no, just, just, I don't think so. No, just kidding. Uh, you know, one of the things I think that um, we all learn is that, um, and even in marriage, um, I can't control her. Okay. I will never be able to control her. Neither should I try and control her. Just because I'm the leader in my home and I am uh, the head of my wife, that doesn't translate into I can control her. She's still, she's still in the image of God. She still have her own way of thinking. She's still independent. She still have her own sense of purpose and values. And so I have to honor that. And so when it comes to because and, and I honestly, I haven't I, I, I haven't experienced that situation in my own marriage, um, but I will say for those couples that are really struggling with this, let's say that you you are doing everything you know to do from a biblical perspective, but you're not getting that reciprocal uh, return. The only thing you can do is pray and pray hard. Number one, because I think there's power in prayer. Amen. But number two, I think the your, your most powerful thing that you can do is to be a good. Christian. In other words, don't let the other person's actions take you out of the characteristics of being who God called you to be. So ultimately, when we get before the Lord, I'm not going to, it ain't going to be me and Peggy holding hands and say, Lord, we're here together. Um, you know, marriage is a, um, it's, it's, it's a replica of the, the church, Christ in the church. There will be no marriage in heaven. So I'm going to have to answer to God for my own sins. So what's important to me is, so what I would do from a practical standpoint, I would pray. From a practical standpoint, I would try to influence in a godly way. I would do everything I can to try to encourage, not control, not manipulate. Uh, I, would, um, uh, I would just be uh, an example of, uh, of what God has called me to be. I would not allow my emotions and my anger. I won't try to control him or her. I would just... You know, just try to just try to lead, or if, if I can use that word, just try to be an example. If they're not a Christian and you are a believer, then your behavior could cause that person to come to Christ. So, but if you're not, if you allow that to change you, 
then you both lose. But as long as the power of God is in that situation, it could change every day. But if you're walking out, if you walk from underneath that umbrella, now we get ourselves in a situation now, whereas we don't have the influence of God in there because now we're both upset. We're both in the flesh. So, uh, so I I think it's important to, to follow God and just try to be a good Christian in that regard. Amen. All right. We're going to close out with just actually just two more questions. And then before we wrap up, one thing I want to go back to, you talked a lot about um, conflict while you had different family members in the household. And we know that you said that your kids were young at that, at that time. So how should a marriage, married couple resolve conflict when children are present? Um, I'll start. Um, not to say that you shouldn't have conflict in front of your children, because you do want your children to see that mom and dad do have issues and this is how you solve the issue is how you solve it in front of them is the thing but if it's an issue that you know it shouldn't be resolved in front of your child you should wait and resolve it behind closed doors but if you are resolving an issue and your kids are present you got to do it in a godly fashion you got to do it biblically you got to let them see that this is how mom and dad resolve issues we don't holler we don't demean each other in front of our kids we don't talk down to each other in front of our children. We want them to see a healthy way of resolving. But like I said, if it's something that needs to be done behind closed doors, you don't do it in front of your children, you wait. Yeah. And I so it depends on the issue. Exactly. I think it's, it's a hot button. You know, we have just, just kind of had this, this policy. You know, what we try to do in front of our kids is we just try to always um, give them a dose of reality and give right. them as much as they can handle. So I don't want to give them, you know, for, for example, if two people are at each other's throats and the kid is a small kid, let's say they're the size of, uh, you know, the size of, of your, your, your child, you know, and mom and dad is arguing and throwing things at each other, throwing tempers, and, you know, that can be very devastating to a child. They can see that and that can make them very fearful. So, so I think that, you know, we just, certain things we don't talk about in front of the kids. Right. You know, we, could, we just figured that we got to resolve this behind closed doors. Uh, but then things that we can, you know, like little things, right. you know, that we could talk about, like, you know, um, sometimes we have a conflict and, you know, you know, my, right. my wife's wife say, for example, I think the car should be locked in the garage. The car is inside the garage. And, uh, and I say, well, I don't think the car should be locked in the garage. That's something we can discuss in front of the kids, but we don't have to yell and scream at each other. We just... You know, but if it's something much more deeper than that, then, you know, um, but, but little things like that, you know, we can, kids going to see that because some things are on the, I mean, going home, there's probably going to be a conflict in the car. She's going to say something, I'm going to say something. It's like, but, you know, they will tell you that me and Peggy, we've never been screamers. We've never been like, you know, some folks are screamers, you know, like, you know, you hear them like down the road. Uh, You know, we've never been screamers. Well, you know, we, you know, you know, I'm more laid back and, and, you know, I just get quiet and, uh, and Peg would just get an attitude, uh, before we ever start, you know, so, you know, <laughs> so. He, he's true. He doesn't argue. Gary will not argue. He will not argue. And sometimes that irritates me. <laughs> wow. He's very, nice. very subtle. He does not, he will not argue. So, you know, okay. good answers, good responses. And just a final question for each of you very quickly. Which is the single most important thing you've learned about handling marriage conflict? Um, the single most important thing I've learned about handling marriage conflict is to forgive each other, not to hold grudges, because that affects everything. Like I said, it affects your blessings, it affects the unity within your home. And without unity, you don't have blessings. So to forgive, uh, to be transparent. Not to say, oh, I'm okay when I know I'm not okay. Um, to be tr- truthful. Yeah, and I think for me, um, the biggest thing I learned in murder conflict is not attacking the person. Right. Um, if I, me and Peggy ever have any, we have conflict or we have disagreement on something, I always try to keep it to the issue. So the biggest thing for me is it's not personal. I'm never going to make it personal. And I'm not, I'm going to stick with the issue. Um, so I just learned I'm just not going to attack. 
the person, but I'm going to attack. We're going to stick with the issue. And that's been the biggest, I think, plus for us in conflict because it keeps us that's in a place where we're really like, hey, we're on the same team here. Right. You know, we're, we're one. Um, and, and we're not, you know, and so, so that for me is probably the most important thing I know I've learned from my standpoint. Amen. And with that, we will, we will close out session two of our Make It, the, Making it Last series. Um, let's have a round of applause for Pastor Bailey and First Lady. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for sharing from your, your, your wisdom and your experience. And I, I know it will, transform, it will transform and help somebody shape a better marriage for themselves. Amen. Amen. So let's, um, before we close out, just a couple things. Um, for session number three will be next week we'll be talking about effective communication within the marriage so for everybody watching on YouTube or watching online please join us here in Stafford VA be part of our live audience if you want us ask questions please be here we're going to change the format up slightly but you'll still have the opportunity to ask questions it'll be a session you definitely do not want to miss all right and we're going to transition to our altar call. So just to give a couple um, directions, anyone who wants to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior come to salvation, we're going to ask that you come over here to the right side of the stage. And if there's any couples out there or singles who want prayer for their marriage, who want prayer, I'm going to ask if Pastor and First Lady could pray with them here in the front. So this time I ask everybody, as we close out, just bow your head. Amen. Focus on the Lord. And if there's anyone out there who does not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if anyone, Jesus said to disciples, follow me. And if you're looking to follow Jesus, ask at this time, just please come forth. Amen. And you will be received. No one moving. Everyone focusing. And if, again, if you're in need of prayer, Please come forward.